Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode four of Confessions of a Market Maker. I'm your co-host, Ray, a.k.a. All Day Ray, a.k.a. The Donkey Whisperer. And I'm here with my exquisite co-host, who goes by VWAP Trader on Twitter, who is known as the Gorilla of House Street in Vancouver, a man who is alleged to have thrown another man a record 10 feet as his days as a bouncer. I'm talking about JJ. JJ, how's it going, man? Good, Ray. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm glad to be back and be doing this. And uh, today, uh, we're joined by our first guest ever on the pod. Um, and before each podcast, you know, I, I set the over-under line at three and a half times. I'll hear his name spoken by JJ. And that's how highly this guy is looked on upon. We're talking about the co-founder of Shadow Trader, Peter Reznicek. How's it going? Hopefully I said your name right. No doubt. You got it. Thank you. Yes, Peter. Thanks. Thanks a lot for joining us. Um, we're excited to have you on here. You know, uh, like I said in the introduction, JJ speaks very highly of you. Um, I feel like I know a little bit about you already, but um, I'll, let, uh, I'll let JJ kick it off from here. All right. Thanks, Ray. Peter, I'm, I'm very honored that you're on the show. I, uh, I'm completely a huge fan and um, a disciple of Shadow Trader and Jim Dalton. Thank you very much for being here. Um, I always say, um, you know, who knows what, uh, what darkness lies in the heart of price action and it's Shadow Trader. And uh, I was very, very pleased to uh, to interact with you and, and have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And uh, I've, you know, I, I started out as a retail trader a couple of years ago. And um, thankfully, before I blew up my account, I stumbled on to Shadow Trader. And um, you started, you know, I started watching your videos and I saw these TPO profile charts and they looked like alien hieroglyphics at first. And I couldn't figure out what you and Brad were talking about, your partner. And so I started diving into the depth, into the videos and learning about it. And I was astounded at the, the depth of information you could get from these things. So I was wondering, how did you start trading retail and a little bit about your journey that way? Yeah, certainly. And, and when I tell you this, I want to also touch upon a little bit of the of what I call the shadow trader methodology, which actually predates the market profile by quite a ways. The, the market profile for me is a relatively newer phenomenon of, say, the last, I don't know, six to eight years or so when I discovered Dalton's uh, work and, and started uh, visiting him in Chicago at a couple of different seminars, et cetera. But, um, you know, for me, the I, I started trading around the year 2000, um, just as the the bubble was bursting as things were kind of cresting. Um, and, you know, like everybody else, I didn't really understand intrinsically what was going on. Uh, I thought that the, uh, I thought it had to be a short even before it started, you know, crashing, making the usual, you know, mistakes that everybody does thinking that there's gravity in the market and, you know, et cetera, kind of trusting too much in the pattern. Um, but everything really, I think everything that, that, all the folks out there that follow Shadow Trader are really most thankful for that. At least of all the, the thousands of emails that I've I've gotten over all the years, is the the simple methodology of the quad and understanding the interplay between the breadth and the advanced decline line. And originally it was the trend, and now we've moved to the ticks. 
and looking at the futures and looking at all that as as if it was all one chart or sort of as like a dashboard or a gauge to figure out a market direction. For me personally, when I started looking at all these different market internal charts and kind of putting them together and seeing, you know, which ones were important and which ones could be discarded, that was really the, the turning point for me. And um, I'm very honored that over the years, this particular methodology that we've discussed in our Squawk Box for year after year, going on 13 years now, that this is really what's resonated with people the most, and as it should be, because really it is the uh, the crux of you know the real truth, if there is such a thing, of what's going on, as opposed to being um, you know uh, pushed around by opinions or news or just kind of blown around by the wind. Uh, when you have this, you know, it would be like it's like driving in front of a car, and you have the the, the gauges in front of you. Uh, it's undeniable whether you have a quarter tank of gas or not. It's undeniable that you're either doing 40 or you're doing 10, right? Um, you know, so uh, true. So yeah, I mean, you have you have either engine lights flashing telling you something's wrong or they're not. So that that's really the the the, the core of the of all that. And then when the profile came about, or I should say, when when I I came upon it, it was obviously already a thing since the 80s, since Steidelmeyer. Um, that completely took everything to another level because it was like an overlay of um of another layer of depth so to speak of that extra uh facet of time put on that price and volume that i i had never seen before and it all just made so much sense because obviously uh the majority of the world lives in this two-dimensional realm of price and volume and because they don't think about time uh hence they don't have any concept of value and that just blew me away when I started, you know, delving deeper into Dalton's books and his his teachings, and later on being personally mentored by him. You know, that just it all just made perfect sense. So, I'm I'm glad that it's resonated, uh, you know, with so many people and uh, with you as well, JJ. You know? Oh, it's it's because of of what your insight. Um, I mean, I a little bit about myself. I without wasting too much time, I had a massive heart attack in 2012 and a quintuple bypass. So when I started trading retail, I would take a trade. Um, and I'm a guy who can manipulate 30 stocks simultaneously in the old days when I was, you know, feeding order flow to market makers, I would, my blood pressure and my heart rate would go up so much, even if I was in a winning trade. And then once I started looking at the insight that you provided, my, you know, my state would calm down. I was able to actually see the market and do things like stay out of chop, you know, because the internals and profile would tell you, Hey, just sit there and wait, you know, um, you know, things like an inside day, things like uh tick distribution, all those things, cumulative tick, which is a beautiful um, indicator. And I, I advise anybody who is on the thinkorswim platform who trades ES to check out Peter's website and 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 take advantage of that cumulative tick script. Um, the other thing are the like the things like the breath bubbles on the internals chart. Um, all of those things that you sort of added to the software uh, with your team really really helps. Um, you know, it, it helps you take a higher odds trade. It helps you, I find you know, stay out of choppy situations. And, mm -hmm. and, and for me, that's, that extends my life 10, 15 years easy, <laughs> you know? No, that's great. I, it really does. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, 
simplicity. It's actually, you know, not making things more complicated, but going in the other direction and dealing with specifically what is, you know, whereas opposed to a lot of uh, more indicator based um, methodologies, it's really just derivative of of price and volume. And, it, and I think it's lagging. It's kind of coming after. It's just sort of restating what's there in, in new and different ways. But um, the the internals, and they're called that for a reason because they're inside the market, are things that are not revealed in the regular price and volume, really, right? They're, they're not in the, even if you, like you have the ES chart up. So obviously that's moving with the SPX cash. That is the market. But within that movement, you don't know what the breadth is, what the advancers versus decliners are, what the, how the tick is acting. You don't see that unless you look at internals. And by the same token, you don't see uh, how value is, is developing or where value is uh, if you're just looking at that, that candle. So the, I feel like the market profile itself is really the fourth internal. It, yes. it really is. You know? Yeah. It, um, it, I, I find, um, you know, we hear a lot, you know, I, I find trading in the retail sense is a lot about marketing now uh, with a lot of services and things like that. And, um, you know, I, I, that's one thing I love about Shadow Trader is anything you charge for, it's not superfluous. It's, it's intended to help traders, you know, very quickly and immediately. Um, there's, you know, there's no smoke and mirrors. Like you hear a lot about these, you know, sort of order flow tools and things like that. And that's wonderful, but, uh, you know, the profile actually organizes order flow and it's the most pure form of looking at order flow and the internals, um, you know, I, I find are just amazing because they give you that context. And, um, how did you kind of put it all together? If you don't mind me asking. The beginning of it was really just trial and error. As I was telling you that I, uh, I stumbled upon, uh, I had always used eSignal from the beginning. And I stumbled upon their list of all the internals that, that you can get, basically. If, uh, if you've ever looked at some of these lists of symbols of internals, there's tons, you know, from, you know, put call ratio to nicey oh, new yeah. highs, nicey new lows, et cetera. You know, every index, uh, every rather, every exchange rather has all these different, uh, you know, pieces of data that can be charted. And it was just a lot of trial and error for a few months of just seeing which ones worked and which ones didn't and which ones I felt really gave you a, uh, a, a window into, you know, the strength or weakness of what was happening intraday in the market so that I could put it together with day trading. You know, that was always my goal is that it would assist in short-term trading, which is really, you know, that's how you read it while the day is unfolding. and as time went on through this trial and error process, um, it just fell into those three, really. They just seemed to be the most uh, robust. They always seemed to give the best signals. And so I just stayed with them. And like I was saying initially, uh, I didn't think of the tick as important as I do now. Uh, and that may have been a mistake initially, but at the time, everybody was really looking at Trin. Trin was a, was a big deal a long time ago. Oh, okay, and okay. if you recall, with the advent of... Um, uh, Contra ETFs, though the trend indicator became less and less, uh, you know, valid because there was up volume, so to speak, or volume, so to speak, going into an up stock, but it was a contra stock, you know, like That's we have right. these ETFs that, you know, if, if something goes down, the ETF goes up. And this is for, as you know, um, 
you know, folks who have money in a mutual fund or some other vehicle where they're not allowed to short. So they, they created these vehicles where they could use ETFs where they could buy a security and still benefit from downward price action. Well, over time, uh, I think this was one of the things that really was to the trend's detriment. This kind of threw the trend off. Uh, and it didn't, it didn't work as well as it did uh, before the advent of those ETFs. So over time, then I you know, started doing more research on, on ticks and um, you know, basically just shifted to the tick. And then the tick became the, the third wheel. Okay. Okay. I understand that now. That's, that's, um, that's quite fascinating. I, I, Mr. Dalton talks about chunking of information. And one of the things that I noticed when I started trading ES was I would focus too much on the tick or I'd focus too much on the breath or I'd, you know, I'd focus too much on one thing. Um, and that chunking of information and putting it all into, into context with things like tempo, how long did it take you to kind of like from when you discovered this stuff to kind of meld it all together? Do you mean like specifically with the profile? Yeah. With the profile and, and, and taking nuances from profile and, and so that being, you know, it's funny, JJ, that, that, the profile itself, as we know, is, is a completely separate animal to everything else. And it's such a revolutionary way of, of looking at the market that I, I think of it as, as separate to everything else. So I, will, I can honestly say that that, for me, has been an unfolding, constantly evolving uh, you know, evolution and improvement. Like I still, to this day see new nuances. And I think like, okay, that's, you know, there's a number of different ways to read this, you know, Dalton, he, his actual quote, I don't know if he uses the word chunking or not, but that is a pretty cool way to say it. But he always told me, he said, you know, you just have to organize information better than the next guy. That's, that's the job of the person who, who reads the profile. And this organization of information, I think is like a, it's like a never-ending quest for improvement. I don't know that you can ever get to any sort of, uh, you know, mastery for it. So, I mean, you know, would I say, yeah, there were certainly, there's certainly times when you feel like, wow, it's all clicking and everything, certainly. But, um, you know, it, it's it's an ever-evolving thing. It really is in terms of what you're saying, in terms of uh, putting it all together and, and seeing those nuances. I mean, basically what what you have to do is, you need to see the profile evolve in real time enough times that you begin to trust its signals, which obviously are not going to be perfect every time. But you need to see, for instance, enough poor lows or poor highs develop at the end of a day where finally you're like, you know what? I'm going to go out short X number of futures contracts or long because the odds are so that, you know, there's so much potential that we're going to trade higher or lower overnight because of what I'm seeing here. And then, you know, that gives you confidence when, when it, you see it happening over a few times, you say, aha, okay, there's, there's something here. It might not happen every time, but, you know, a confidence level builds because you've seen it play out. And, and, you know, and as we know, there's, you know, 10 or 20 of those different nuances besides just uh, poor highs and poor lows. There's lots of them that you can go on. Oh, definitely. It, 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 that reminds me of, of your video a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, when we had that period of time where we had a lot of poor lows, um, you know, or at poor and weak lows, there was no excess, you know, and, and you meant, and I, I was during that week, I was looking at it going, you know, something's going on here. It's like, there's no follow through selling. There's no follow through selling. And 
during your weekly video on the weekend, you mentioned that too. And then of course the auction was the upside, you know? Um, so it's fascinating how, how that stuff, um, you know, comes together. Yeah. Um, no, most definitely. It's, it's what the, um, it's almost like you have, it's almost like knowing how to read what's not happening rather than what is happening. And that therein lies the, the big secret, I guess, like, you know what I mean? Like, what should be happening but isn't. I talk about that a lot in the pre-market perspective because that's some that's a concept that is certainly one of those that's evolved over time for me where I, I try and trust it more and more that I, I keep looking like, hmm, okay, like what is common sense telling me? What what should be happening here? Like we know we're 100% net long overnight inventory. Okay, we should fade. Okay, well, if we don't, obviously the, the sellers aren't there, right? So Oh, exactly. They're going to hold it. And I think you're the only person now, I haven't had a whole lot of exposure to retail trading uh, educators, but you're the only person I've heard say, you know, okay, if this does not happen, what does that mean? You know, and to carry that forward, you don't hear those sorts of things. And and that kind of uh, puts a general context into a week or a month or, or a period of time that really helps you kind of see um, where people are trapped or, you know, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, you have to carry forward that narrative, so, so to speak. And then when you carry forward that narrative, those, those pieces of information pile up and they become exponentially powerful because like, you know what I mean? You, you have them in your mind. You, you're, you're thinking the market should go down and it's not. Okay. That one thing that, you know, I could get that from a two dimensional chart, but then like you were saying, you look at the profile and you're like, you know, poor low, poor low, poor low. Okay, what are they doing here? Like they're getting themselves backed into a corner, etc. Uh, you know, then you see whatever you can. You notice that on, I don't know. I'm just saying two of those days uh, there was no pop migration, right? We see that exactly. You know, most of yeah. the volume traded up in up near value area high. Why? Why isn't? Why aren't they committing more volume down near the lows? I don't know, but but obviously they're not. So it all just kind of stacks up together. Yeah, I and. You know, what you said about how your knowledge evolves, um, you know, and I'll let Ray get in some questions here too. I know I'm hogging all of this, but, you know, this is the first time I've ever spoken to you and I, I'm like, you know, a huge fanboy. So, um, you know, like the last couple of times we've had these massive gaps and then they've sold down and filled. And like yesterday, mm-hmm. um, you know, the price action yesterday on that massive gap, you know, you know, the gap rules say go with the gap, but, and, you know, then you see it fading and you have a gap and then you have a trend day down, you know? Um, so I guess those are kind of new things. I've seen that on the 20th and I saw that today, uh, yesterday as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, in yesterday's, I'll be the first one to admit that I didn't think we would fill all the way. I, I had said in the pre-market writings that I felt that the odds would probably favor that, we, you know, it would be a hard gap to fade. And it kind of was, I mean, it's the slow grind to the downside, it, it literally took the entire day to get there is usually difficult. But yeah. there's plenty of information to be gleaned from the fact that once it did fill the gap, look where it went. I mean, it literally bounced right on it. Um, you know, oh, and yeah. I didn't make any money on the downside, but at that gap fill low, I was able to sell uh, SPX puts that were literally almost at the money for $2 and they went to zero and they literally had 55 minutes of expiry on them. But it was just so, it just made so much sense. I mean, there were three TPOs across. There was only exactly. one tick of excess. It literally yeah. went right to the gap. And I'm like, 
this is asymmetric opportunity. Like there's less than an hour left. These are $2. They're going to be zero in 20 minutes. And literally they were like 10 cents bid within 20 minutes because yeah, that, that, know, the market just wasn't going lower at that point. Yeah. And that, and that was a beautiful thing. And the, the funny thing is when I see a day like yesterday or the 20th, uh, it reminds me of my old stock manipulator days where you would gap a stock up so high and then the retail would just come for it mm-hmm. and you could just like you know gently feather the selling and fill all those limit orders all the right. way down and then you know once you hit a certain level you, you don't want to scare the retail too much you know you want to fill them but you want to keep the ducks you know the ducks hungry so they keep coming back for more right. food so then we take it up so like once i kind of the profile really helped me put my you know my uh you know what we call you know, X stop manipulator, paper hanger, sort of the agendas of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that really helped. So I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I, I noticed that that's, uh, yeah, that's cool. That's, yeah. You know, um, I'm going to let Ray ask a couple of questions cause uh, I don't want to, <laughs> you there, Ray? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Um, yeah. I was just letting you get that all out of your system, JJ. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. That's good stuff. Um, Peter, yeah, I'm just a little, uh, I'm interested in uh, your background and how you got into trading. So how how did you uh, get into trading? So I had always had uh, a pretty healthy interest in in markets and, and, you know, financial stuff like that. I actually traded a few stocks when I was, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old with, you know, in like a custodian account. And I used to subscribe to various publications at that time, like, you know, Wall Street Journal, Fortune or whatever, things like that, that, uh, you know, would talk about different companies. And obviously, I didn't know anything about charts or technical analysis or, or anything at that point. I was just, you know, reading fundamental stuff. I just thought it was fascinating uh, and whatnot. Um, but I really didn't get uh, I really didn't get seriously into it, like I said, until about probably just before the year 2000. Um as I had uh, said in the the uh, interview uh, that'll be coming out shortly, I guess concurrently with this with this podcast in like a week and a half or so, uh, I was actually involved in the music business uh, before the markets, and I spent about eight to ten years. Uh, I was living in Miami at the time, and there was a, a hip hop scene there that was really kind of growing, kind of coming out of out of nowhere. It was uh, somewhat behind what was happening in New York city at the time, which made it exciting. Cause it was almost like it, like, you know, it hadn't gotten there yet. So there was like really fertile ground for a lot of that to be started off. So I was doing all sorts of things in terms of, uh, you know, promoting nightclubs and uh, putting on concerts and recording some stuff too, and videos and, you know, everything you can imagine. Um, and I, I had originally obviously intended for that to just go on forever, but, uh, as I, you'll see in, in the interview, as I uh, answered the questions in the interview, um, yeah, I was not ma- able to make a, ever a go of it uh, financially. It was just, you know, it, it's a hard slog because this was very far before the dawn of the internet uh, and the av- avenues of promotion such as YouTube and, you know, all that stuff uh, didn't exist. So you were really kind of brick and mortaring the whole thing. You know, you were literally physically pressing records you were physically getting teams together on the street that were handing out flyers teams that were wheat pasting posters up under bridges you know you can all of that you know it's really like in the trenches you're doing it uh so it just wasn't sustainable after a while and then i so then i you know started becoming a student of the markets um and 
really just kind of self-taught, but it took a long time because uh, I didn't really have any mentors. Um, and it was just, uh, you know, a lot of just self-study. You know, I filled up tons of notebooks, just like looking at price action and, and taking printouts of charts and drawing lines. And, you know, eventually you just little by little figure out what works and what doesn't. That's basically it. Well, how so? So, Peter, you said you were self-taught. I mean, um, as far as <clears throat> going through that process, uh, what resources? How long did it take you? Because um, obviously, you know, obviously, trading is, is not an easy thing, and this is most things, uh, you know, something that most people fail at. So, what, what do you think separated you uh, being self-taught going through that process than maybe what maybe others fail at? Probably just stubbornness. <laughs> you know, probably, that's, really, that's really it. You know, I mean, I think, uh, you know, the, the person who figures it out eventually is the one that just lasts. You know, that's really it. I think a lot of people just quit. They, they quit too early before they figure it out. And, and a lot of times they have the mechanics down, but they can't get the psychology right. And that takes sometimes a little bit longer. So that kind of frustrates them because they're like, I'm, you know, I, I know what should be happening, but I'm getting out too early or whatever the case, you know. So I don't know. You know, it's really just that you have to kind of put those two things together. You have to figure out the mechanics and get an edge or, or just pick an edge. You know, there's a thousand different things you can do and then kind of get your head straight. You know, and I, I've always had good discipline. That really never was an issue for me. Um, I don't really have a gambling uh, instinct in me. So I really you know, I never felt the urge to always be doing something. That's really not me. If anything, I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I tend to err in the other direction where it's like, I just, you know, not enough setups intrigue me. So I'll just be dormant for a while. Um, you know, so I guess, I don't know, for lack of a better word, maybe my personality just kind of fits it, you know, or I didn't, or I didn't fall into this to a lot of the same traps that people have who maybe have those type of tendencies, you know, where they're just a little bit, you know, too ADD or they want to take risks or whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, Peter, um, how was the uh, so saying that, you know, the music industry wasn't working out for you? I mean, how did you take it? How was the transition from that to trading? I had to imagine, you know, you're experiencing some uh, negative feelings, Um, you know, just explain a little bit about that. Like, what made you like persevere? Yeah, so, you know, that was just really just kind of a it had been a lot of years. It was, I think it was like nine years, I think altogether. And at some point you just have to kind of cut your losses and just figure out like, okay, there are things going on here um, that are just working against me that, that I'm not going to be able to change. So that's, that's something also that, that translates well into trading. Like when you, you know, you have an idea and you know, you have a thesis and you think something's going to happen, but there's just things working against you that it's just not going to happen. Like it's kind of like shorting Tesla is a perfect example of that. There's just this this constant short covering that seems to just like, it's just going to screw you every time because there's just just too much short interest. You know, I'm just pulling up an example. So it it kind of flies in your face. Um, And the music business, when you're not uh, capitalized properly, um, it's kind of the same thing in that, um, you have a system there where uh, there's labels and then there's distributors and, the, and the, the people who are in charge of distributing the music, they will not take any risks in distributing that music unless there are huge like marketing budgets in, in place that sort of take the risk away from them and, and keep all the risk on you as the label. You know? And because I wasn't 
capitalize properly. It was, you know, it was just really a simple, uh, you know, decision at some point to just kind of fold up my tent and say, you know what, this is, this is not ever going to work because I, you know, you're never going to catch traction unless you align yourself with, you know, some sort of interest that has a ton of money or, or whatever. So, you know, it wasn't, it, I think over the, at, at the end of it, it wasn't really as uh, devastating as it would feel because, and, and I, I touched upon this in the interview is that I thought it was really special in that a lot of people don't have that in their life because they, they go through their lives and then whatever they become X age and they, they wish they had chased such and such dream, but they didn't because they were too busy kind of playing it safe. And so I figured, well, you know, I was young at the time, like I'll just put my all into this. And if, you know, if it doesn't work, I'll never have to say what if, you know, basically that's it. I knew that I I gave it my all and whatnot. So, you know, it it was, I, I was fine with it at the time. Yeah, yeah, excellent. I mean, what what, what strikes me from uh, talking to you and uh, you know, and reading a little bit of the uh, the interview that has yet to be published is, um, you know, your your mindset. And I believe, um, you know, people who are successful in trading, or you know, from my experience, you know, I'm a professional poker player. Like poker is like, you know, the mindset is, you know, a lot of times probably more important than the actual like technical um, aspects uh, of these endeavors. And that really stuck out to me your uh, your mindset and. Um, you, you mentioned something in the interview, um, and I'm going to quote you, okay? Yeah, sure. Um, you said emotional capital is far more important than financial capital. Yeah. Um, elaborate on that and what that means to you. So firstly, as, as always, and I, I do this a lot and I'll never stop doing it, is, uh, you know, big shout out to Jim Dalton. Um, always give credit where credit is due. That's not my phrase. It's his. Um, and I, on a, you know unabashedly steal stuff, you know, all the time. I mean, obviously I, I mean, he's my mentor in the profile. So this is a phrase that this is just one of like literally a hundred phrases that I think he has said to me or in a seminar where I saw him live or on a phone call where I've just jotted down, like literally I have this file of like, I don't know, like a hundred different, you know, phrases and little snippets of conversation that he has said that have literally blown me away. And that was one of them. And, um, well, just think about it. I mean, it makes complete sense, right? You know, I mean, you, if you, if the emotional capital goes to zero, you can still have the other type of capital, but you're done. You're done. I mean, you can, you can be, you could be at your high watermark for profits at, of the year, be cruising along or whatever. But if you're burnt, you're burnt. I mean, if you're just spent, you're, you're going to make a mistake, you know, or, and the emotional thing also comes more into play after like a string of like bad trades is that if you, if you still have emotional capital in the tank, if you can kind of separate yourself from it and say, okay, so that was negative, that was negative, that was negative. But, you know, where am I mentally? Like, do I, do I feel I still have edge? Yes. Do I still have confidence? Yes. Uh, I've made money in the past. I'll go back to making money again. Again. Okay. So you just kind of work your way through that. That's, that's all it is. All of that is, is emotional capital. You can see how from a trader standpoint, and I, and I would pr- probably think professional uh, card playing has to be exactly the same thing, right? Absolutely. It's, it's the, the it, you know, that confidence has to be there. That emotional capital has to be there. You have to feel like you have something in the tank mentally and in your heart that, that keeps it all going. Because once, you know, as you know, once that is gone, if that's depleted, you're already beat. You might still have whatever stack in front of you, but it's going to go to zero. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I think that's something that, like even to this day, um, I want to say like I struggle a lot with 
But, you know, I'm, I think I'm a little opposite from you because you say you have a little bit more of a, you can sit back, um, maybe relax, let the trade come to you where I'm a little more like, let's say things are going bad for me, right? At poker the past week or two weeks, I want to just keep grinding. I want to keep playing. And when I think a lot of times, hey, maybe it's best for me to step back. Now for yourself, how do you, re- how do you replenish your emotional capital? What, what's your go-to's? You have to just stop for a little while. I, I think I mentioned this in the interview, but it definitely bears repeating. You have to stop for a little while, which could be anywhere from a day to a week. And then when you return, you should return in smaller size because that smaller size, you know, your head is clear and you just put a few wins together that are small. And then that, that really sort of, to me, that kind of replenishes it to me. Okay. All right, cool, cool. Yeah, and I got um, I got another question um, as far as the interview, and then I'll pass it off to JJ if he has anything left. Um, I thought this was real interesting. You you were um, you quoted or you mentioned a story about a guy who was visiting a Buddhist monastery. You remember this? Yeah, of course. And um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to kind of quote the interaction and then go from there. Um, so the guy shows up at the Buddhist monastery and he goes he asks what goes on around here. Um, then the monk replies, "We walk, we eat, and we sit." The guy replies, that's it? Yes, but when we walk, we walk. When we eat, we eat. And when we sit, we sit. Now, you say to you, that's the secret of all of life. Basically, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, and uh, I find it very interesting. Would you, what, so when you say that's the secret, I mean, what, you know, elaborate, what do you mean? Basically that, uh, you know, that is especially more so in the world we live in, which uh, I think there are a lot of huge forces out there competing for our attention. Uh, I call it like the attention industrial complex. And that's really a thing. If you think about it, like you think of what business Facebook and others are in, they're in the attention business. That's really what they're selling. They're, they're stealing mm-hmm. your attention and, and, and monetizing it. Um, but just beyond that, just from, just a regular day to day, even if you're not for, you know, looking at your phone a lot or whatever, or constantly looking at a screen um, is the fact that, uh, you know, as human beings, I think we don't realize just uh, how unpresent, so to speak, we are pretty much all the time um, because we have so much going on and uh, that's just how our minds work. there's, I don't want to get too, too deep into it, but it's like the way things are kind of set up in your, in your head is that you have, you know, like your own consciousness and, and then you have all these kind of sub minds and those sub minds are really noisy, but they're like noisy for a reason because they, they help you because if the sub mind like wasn't working in the background, even if sometimes it's just chatter or whatever, like it's, it's kind of telling you like, okay, you're about to cross the street, but like there are cars coming. So don't just, don't just walk out. You get what I'm saying? Like it's there, like it, it is, but it also, so that's the positive side of it, but there's also a negative side to it in that there's this constant chatter and whatever. And I don't know, to sort of, you know, make a very long story short. Uh, I think life is just a lot richer when we, uh, when we're present in the moment of what we're doing and we're, and we're really, really focused uh, with our attention on what we're doing in the moment so that we truly uh, enjoy it. And, um, you know, we're sort of maximizing our time here. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I I, I really, um, 
enjoyed reading your interview and uh, that part as well, because um, that's something um, I've really tried to incorporate into my life the past couple of years is, you know, um, a lot of, uh, you know, like the the Buddhist principles of, you know, remaining present. And I think it could just really, uh, like you're saying, just enrich your life from all over, make you more productive, um, et cetera. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, I just wanted to ask you about that. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. Um, and I guess one more thing and then I'll pass it off to JJ if he still has um, one more thing. Um, y- you've, you've mentioned being like fluid, right? Um, in trading. And um, I, I take the same approach in poker, like not having like a fixed strat. Not, you know, I, I used to come in with like a fixed strategy or like this is how I'm going to attack X player. This is how I'm going to attack him in this situation, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And in reality, I should be more fluid and let like the situation unfold and come to me as it presents itself. Um, I gather that's how you um, go at trading. Now, how, do, how does one develop that type of, you know, mindset? How does one become fluid? That's a really good question. I, I think that the, the, I think that goes hand in hand with one of the earlier points that that uh, JJ was raising about, you know, how do you put it all together with the profile, etc. And I was saying that there is no specific method and there is no mastery to it, that it's just constantly evolving thing. Uh, and you know, the flow thing is really just kind of always being on watch, uh, guarding, get guarding yourself, so to speak, or, or against, um, you know, getting too pigeonholed into a certain idea or married to something or thinking that a certain outcome has to happen. You know, it's just kind of a different way of looking at things, meaning like, don't come thinking that like, I have to know exactly what's going to happen today. Uh, in order to make money, you have to kind of come to each day fresh and think, well, okay, all I really need to know is that there are a finite number of scenarios that could play out. And um, I I think because of what I see in my narrative profile, charts, etc, is telling me that there's probably higher odds of this scenario playing out. So I'm going to kind of focus on that. But at the same time, I'm not going to be, you know, overly sized up, disappointed, aggressive, you know, if it doesn't happen, I'm going to work hard to be careful and say, okay, may, this is the one as though I think is going to happen is how I'm going to play it. But I'm going to, Dalton always says monitor for continuation. So mm-hmm. don't just go into something very aggressively and thinking that, well, you know, because I had this idea from two days ago, this, I'm sure this is what's going to happen. So you go in like massive size and then you don't monitor for continuation. You just kind of leave it alone because you're like, I'm right. I'm right. I know I'm right. This has to happen. <laughs> That's not being fluid. That's the opposite of fluidity. That's that's completely constricted thinking where like you're really married to an idea and you're not even willing to to see the outcome that it that you know it could be wrong, whatever, and then next thing you know that turns into a, a huge debacle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, and I'm gathering, you know, the, these things just also uh it comes with experience yeah, um, as well. Of course. You know, repeating. And uh okay, I know I said that was the last question, last one, seriously. Um, being formerly in the music industry, involved in hip hop, give me maybe like three or five of your uh, favorite hip hop artists. Oh, that's a good one. Um, so I've been very sour on kind of everything that's happened in recent years. Like I feel like all the time the list of like what I like gets smaller and smaller as as time evolves. Um, I came up in what I consider to be, or not just myself, but a lot of people called the golden age. And people people look at that from different time periods. Some people think that it extends all the way out into the early nineties. I, I always disagree with that. I always thought it was strictly 85 to 89. Um, And so I love everything from that era very much, which would be like all the early groups that were first on Def Jam of such as Slick Ricky PMD, 
uh, you know, public enemy, et cetera, from that time period. Um, but like lately, as far as like more modern, uh, I would have to say run the jewels. Definitely. Uh, push a T is amazing. I was really happy to see him get a Grammy nomination. Um, and Nas definitely who kind of spans both eras. I mean, he kind of started after the golden age, like early nineties. So yeah, I would would say those right there. Oh yeah. Good list. Good list. Yeah. Nas is definitely one of my personal favorites. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that's it for me. JJ, anything else? I, I, I do. I do. Uh, I'm kind of I was brought out of a cave and I, I don't know much about modern pop culture, but I do remember the 80s and the 90s. Um, you know, I was a big public enemy fan. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, they're, they're amazing. You know, it, it's it's funny because when I, I listen to Brad all the time, you know, I, I got Think or Swim for two reasons, one to have the internals and the other to listen to your show, um, you know, and uh, it, it's funny because I think you know, I'm 50, uh, Brad's, I think the same age. So his references to movies and music are very similar to mine. Right. 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 So, um, you know, I'll always email him, he'll play some, something and I'm like, Oh my God, I haven't heard that in such a long time. Thank you for yeah. playing it. You know? And, um, so I, I always find that, that pretty interesting. I, I was wondering in, you know, cause you've been trading retail since 2000. I've only been doing it for a couple of years, but I have noticed that the markets have changed quite drastically you know especially with not so much algorithmic based trading because but um you know these huge money managers like blackrock and things like that in the markets um and the other thing is trading in 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 the time of twitter when when you have a president uh who tweets things and then the market just you know reacts quite violently because these algorithms pick up on these tweets and will automatically trade a certain way. Um, do you, how, how are you finding that? I mean, I noticed I, I, because we use profile, it gives us, and the internals, it kind of gives us an edge to know, okay, maybe we should just sit back and, you know, this p- price spike might be retraced because it's bad structure. Um, but are you finding, you know, that, that the price action is different these days, that yeah, I think I think it's changed a lot because certainly the 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 there's kind of like three eras if you think about it in the markets. There's the the first era pre the internet, which was defined by information moving very slow. Um, mm. Maybe there's even like four eras because we could think of the first one as like the one in. I've always, I always think about the story and reminiscences of a stock operator, which to this day is still the best book about trading ever written. Um, and if you recall, there's that one story in there where he has this hunch that, you know, he needs to short, I believe it was railroad stocks because um, he knows that there was an earthquake somewhere on the West Coast or something. And he literally even says like, and then the stocks weren't falling, right? Basically, like he shorts uh, upon hearing this news and the stocks weren't falling. And I guess his buddy is like, you know, this is not a good idea or whatever. And he, and he literally says like, It'll take like a week before we know the extent of the damage to the, to, you know, to, to, to the physical damage to the rails and whatever. And I just, I think about that all the time. Like that is incredible. And then he was right. Like literally like a week later when the reports start coming in, like, oh, this is going to cost us a hundred million dollars to fix, you know, and yeah, exactly. 
it's amazing, right? Because where where was the news coming from? Just newspaper? I don't know. You know, I mean, Pony Express, whatever. <laughs> Western Union. Yeah, Western Union. I mean, you know, you know, you know, on horseback across the country, like whatever, you know. So I, that is that is that's true. That's it's amazing. amazing. Right? So that's that's one era, and then the second era is is once it's you have like the advent of telephone and TV and whatever, and so it's a little bit faster, but you're still paying. A $75 commission to EF Hutton or whomever on the other end. And it takes three days to get a confirmation, and you don't even know what price you were filled at until three days later, right? And they send you something in the mail, I guess, saying exactly. Yeah, you know. Uh, uh, so that's that's the second era, and then the third era would be the dawn of the internet, and that that's when things kind of hockey sticked in terms of the flow of information went much much faster. Uh, due to things being put out in chat rooms or live feeds or whatever. And then I would say the fourth era is like what you touched upon, which is uh, social media, because things are even faster. And, and, and the, is specifically what you said, that you could connect, uh, connect algorithms to trawl social media, not even just like on a certain tweet, but you know they've got algos that are just trawling it and looking for exactly. keywords and putting those keywords together and buying and selling accordingly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. I, I find it's, def- it's definitely changed a lot. And one, one last thing I just want to interject also, if I can, is that Go ahead. Please um, do. I, I think that, that a huge change also has been the, the actions of the central bank and the market's sort of dependence on that. You know, the, everything that was happening as the, the bubble that led into 2008 was building, to me, that's all dependent on that. And I don't know, it's almost like we can't seem to get away from that dynamic. Like, I just feel like that's, that's like the defining thing all the time. That's true. Uh, that, 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 that really, uh, that, that rings true to me because there, I, I've got a buddy of mine and we've got this tiny trading room and his name is Odds and he is a disciple of Mr. Dalton. He is like one of the most pure structural profile traders you'll meet like you know if you know he and i look at you know mr dalton like a god so you know we'll be sitting there and we'll look at the structure of this market and we're like oh my god this is like a house built on stilts yeah um you know it it, you just look at it and you're like wow do do people even look at the companies anymore now like we're taking companies public that call themselves unicorns. I mean, could you imagine going to JP Morgan in the day and saying, sir, I'm going to take this company public and it's a unicorn and it loses $2 billion a year. Right. You know, he, he would hit you with his cane, you know? Yeah. Like why, uh, like why is that, why did that at some point become okay when it would have been ludicrous like a long time ago? Like, I think it's still kind of ludicrous. Like I know it's like kind of antiquated thinking and I totally understand that everything in the market is, is pricing forward pricing, but like, and, and, you know, so again, maybe this is just like naivete or it's just how I would do things, but I wouldn't take my, my company public unless it was profitable. I just wouldn't. I just said, yeah. maybe that's just me. Maybe, and that's probably stupid, but I'm just saying like that to me is how things should work. Exactly. You know, like it had, doesn't have any value if it's not making any money. So why would I ask people to buy shares in it? Exactly. You know, <laughs> you know. I just, I, you know, I, and, and we t- toss around a word like unicorn, which is a mythical character, and, and we're bringing that into the world of finance. So it's kind of, yeah. you know, it, it kind of puts my brain into kind of a spin. Like, right. this doesn't make any sense. Like, you if, if you're just burning through other people's money, like, I have a serious problem with that. I always have. That really kind of just drives me nuts. You know, like, literally, like, 
they will just claim that it's so viable. But viability is only judged by profitability. If it doesn't make money, then it's actually not viable. It's actually just an idea. And the only reason that you're still that that it's actually working is because some venture capitalist, uh, some venture capital company or companies have taken a flyer on it and have seeded you with hundreds of millions of dollars for you to, you know, hire all those people and, and have that fancy building and et cetera. But that exactly. doesn't mean it works. You know, and, and I think a lot of people forget, I mean, a lot of new traders, because I, I, I like dealing with people who are just coming into the market and they don't even know that the market and, and these IPOs, there are an exit strategy for the people who bought totally. in you know, totally. you're buying, you're buying their cheap paper, totally. you know, they were in um, long, be- long before the IPO at a valuation of like nothing. And when it exactly. opens at 30, I mean, you know, there's billionaires created overnight, of course. Yeah. And, uh, so Way before it, it's, that nice. <laughs> it's really nice to have somebody, you know, who, uh, you know, who's in on this sort of to, to weigh in on this because I, I just seem it's, you know, I think Greenspan said irrational exuberance. And then, you know, I think we've gotten past that now, even, you know, yeah. um, it, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of it, don't you think just comes also from the fact that there's just more money now, uh, you know, in the system and um, you know, there's, there's more money and hence uh, more deals. It has to go somewhere. So obviously, you know, exactly. You know, and for every uh, maybe one Amazon or Google or whatever, if you have five or six duds, uh, that's fine because that's the business model. Because the the couple good ones, it'll be twenty x, right? Exactly. So you know, if you lose one or two x on on the losers, well, I guess that's the model. But but that but see, but that's the model for them. But that that's not but that that's not the model for the average investor. You see, they really get hurt because for them it's not a thirty x on the win because they get in on day one when exactly. when the stock is opening at thirty, forty, sixty dollars or whatever. So you know, at at that moment when the bell rings and, and it comes out, that's a, a you know a day of you know twenty, thirty, forty times money for the people that that got in at a valuation of, of almost nothing. But not for the person who's buying it on day one. They're, they're taking immense risk. Oh, exactly, exactly. I mean, I'll I'll watch those prints like Uber and and Lyft and things, and I'll look at that opening print, and, and as an ex paper hanger, I'll sit there and I'll go, "Oh my God, I wish I was a part of that cell." You know, <laughs> you know. Um, the the one thing that I I wanted to touch upon because we've had some something quite interesting happen in, at the CME with the um, the invention of the micro contract. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I come from the penny stock world, I worked my way up through the sewers of the penny stock world. Um, and a lot of people I talk to, you know, they younger people and new traders, because they have smaller accounts, um, you know, they'll go into the penny stock world. And I and, and because uh, the micro has come out, the barrier to entry into this market has become a lot a lot less. Mr. Dalton always says there's no junior stock market, but now there kind of is because if you have a bad day in the micro, you lose 50 bucks. Right. right? Um, and what I wanted, you know, I'd like you to touch on that. And I just want to say that all those new traders out there listening who are thinking about burning your money in the penny stock world, learn how to trade the micro, go to shadow trader and learn how to trade structure and internals because you can apply that to like the baby ES. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's a I think anything that uh, opens the door to 
you know, more people being able to participate in the market is a positive thing. I agree with you. It's great. And, and certainly it has the same um, low barrier to entry as uh, penny stocks or even Forex. But I agree with you. It makes a lot more sense, right? You're, you know, as opposed to, say, a penny stock. I mean, you're trading something that actually has intrinsic real value. It's, it's the S&P 500. It's not like you know, you know, you're buying some stock that's 60 cents a share that really should be zero. Well, and that's exactly it because you're buying stock at 60 cents a share. There's a guy like me who's, you know, dumping 300 million shares of this garbage that my clients got at, at 0.0001 cent. Right. Right. And, right. and it's just dilution, right? We're just bringing you in to, to, you know, to slaughter you. Whereas the ES and the micro is, it's a real market, yeah. right? Uh, you know. No, most definitely. Well, so it's exciting. I, I, I look forward to more people uh, coming into it and I'm uh, you know, to touch, touch upon what you were saying, I think certainly that the reading of the profile and understanding that is is, is paramount to that. And I hope that, uh, you know, that more people take advantage of that. Yeah. And I, I would I would urge everyone, um, you know, who's thinking of starting trading, who's listening to this or, you know, people who are who are trading and losing money and, you know, and, and playing these low float situations and things like that. Please go take a look at Shadow Trader. Uh, look at the. Um, the information that he has and his team, they've done such an amazing job over the years. Look at the, their YouTube videos. Um, you know, they have, a, a, I think, a three-part basic on or a five-part basic on learning profile. Um, and it, it really it, it really would behoove you, would, you know, really make sense to go check this out because, you know, Peter and, 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 the, and the crew will take you to the promised land. Um, you know, I, I can definitely say profile has done so much for me and the internals and, uh, you and Mr. Dalton, I mean, I've, you know, I'm, I'm much calmer. Uh, my life is better. I even met my girlfriend because of profile, because, you know, she's learning how to trade it and I'm kind of teaching her. So, you know, <laughs> Fantastic. You shadow know. trader bringing people together. It's, yeah, it's a beautiful, it's thing, a beautiful you know? thing. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> I always I always joke with people about the. Uh, I recently I have a, a new uh, individual in my office that's handling some marketing stuff for us, um, and um, it, you know I joke about the the pre market perspective, which is the report that I write every morning about the profile. And I always say we need to market this and say it will change your life. And she, you know, and she's like, "How's this going to change your life?" Well, like, trust me, this is going to change your life. Just it is. Let's just say that. it is. Yeah. I, I tell you, I, I mean, it, it, it dropped my blood pressure. I, I, I can sleep at night. Yeah. And I met the love of my life. I mean, what more could a man ask exactly. for? Exactly. You know? It's working. There you go. There you go. Well, Ray, what do you, what do you, what do you say? Uh, well, I say that's great, man. So, 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 what, what you're telling us is that if you uh, subscribe, you, you go to Shadow Trader, you're going to be able to, uh, Meet a woman as well. Is that is that what I'm hearing? You never know. <laughs> All right, so open. So be open to the idea. All right. So is that? Um, are we looking to wrap it up, JJ? Anything else for Peter? Um, I'm. I, I think I've. I've. I've asked uh, as much as I can. I've been. Uh, I've been waiting for this opportunity to talk to him for you know two and a half, three years, and I'm, I'm so, so grateful and so blessed that he's been on our show and. Uh, I'm very grateful and blessed that him and Mr. Dalton have both shared so much of their insight. Um, and without, you know, 
without asking for a thing, uh, please go in and look at both of their products. I mean, I can't say enough. I mean, I would build a statue to Mr. Dalton for sure. Um, you know, that, that's how much I revere him. Um, and Peter, um, I, I cannot say uh, enough good things about uh, how he has changed my, uh, my entire outlook. I, I keep telling you, uh, JJ, I'm still looking to hire you as my publicist. Anytime. Uh, for, for you, Peter, I'll work for free. Uh, for, uh, Peter, I, I, I owe you so much, Peter, I will, I will work for free. You, you sell you me so much better than I can ever sell me. <laughs> I'm not that good at that, that side of the business. But uh, yeah, I, I do I appreciate it, JJ. Thank you so much. I really, it really does mean a lot to me. I feel like um, anytime that, you know, the stuff that I've worked on over the years resonates with anybody, you know, I have thousands of emails, uh, to that effect. Uh, and it really does matter to me. I just think it's phenomenal. I just, you know, I just always want people to understand that there's, there's no like mastery to this game. Nobody can really say that they're like a guru of anything. It's just, you know, you just find things that resonate with you. You find things that work and you spend literally the rest of your life fine tuning those things because the market is constantly changing. You're constantly changing. You will always have these fluctuations in your emotional capital, et cetera, your emotions as they are, no two situations are alike, you know, all of that. So it's just an ongoing process. And I, I feel truly blessed that I'm able to, to share my process with people. Uh, and that, you know, over the years, uh, it's, it's garnered, you know, somewhat of a following and people are interested, you know, so it's great. Yeah, definitely, Peter. And, uh, yeah, luckily for, you know, all of us, your, uh, your hip hop, music career didn't pan out um, <laughs> exactly <laughs> we really uh, yeah you know we really appreciate you uh joining us today um it's been a pleasure talking to you learned a lot um now for people out there who uh you know want to learn more from you maybe get in touch with you uh where can they do that at yeah without a doubt check me out uh, on our site which is at shadowtrader.net and uh we have a ton of free resources there most of it is uh, if you have a a think or Swim account. You can certainly listen to our show every day. Uh, Brad Agunis, my colleague, runs that every day. This is a squawk box that uh, I started about 13 years ago. We were the first uh, outside vendor ever to be embedded inside of the Think or Swim platform. Now there's a few of them, but we were the first, the original chat room that's in there. And we continue to do it to this day uh, with a, a lot of listeners. And that really is the core of my methodology at, uh, as you know, as it came together, I started presenting it there and we continue to present that daily. Uh, and then beyond that, you know, like I said, there's a few things on our site uh, that are outside of that. Uh, most namely the, uh, the report that I write every morning, the Peter's pre-market perspective, which is basically what JJ was touching upon during this, this uh, interview. That's my musings on market profile, my key levels and scenarios of every single morning of, how I think the market may play out that day, given what the profile is telling me and what, what my narrative is. So you can check that out uh, there as well. It's all at shadowtrader.net. All right. Great. Great. Um, all right. And with that, we'll wrap it up uh, for JJ, for Peter and for myself, Ray. Uh, that's the podcast. Thanks everyone for listening in. Um, JJ, Peter, thanks for joining me guys. Have a good one. Thank, Thank you. you. All righty.